market square. So many like, mothers. You would lay in the bed, and Drew would be slumped out in the chair. <laughs> Because that's usually how it was. I was usually in the bed. You were usually in the chair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm now trying to make music. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'll cut this part out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I was thinking about that today. Uh, and welcome to the Sly Dog Music Cast, by the way. And my guest today is my best friend of the world, Andrew Chabala. And say hi, Drew. What's up? <laughs> yeah. So, we're going to talk about Bowie today, and Drew is the guy that's kind of responsible for getting me into Bowie. Like, like I met Drew when I first moved to Hollywood, and we just became fast friends ever since, and he turned me on to a lot of music, and I'd been curious about Bowie, but always kind of felt overwhelmed, because Bowie is like a catalog that's like, where do you start? Do you start with the glam rock? Do you start with the weird experimental German shit? Or do you, like, just dive in wherever you want? And he kind of helped lead me through it. So why don't you talk about, like, how you got into Bowie? Because you, you, you wanted to, like, for years at that point. Yeah, yeah. So I got into David Bowie uh, back, I don't know, I was probably, like, maybe 14. I don't know. I was in my early teens, and my dad had all these cassette tapes. And he, one of the ones he really wanted to show me was Ziggy Stardust. So, you know, that was uh, hearing that, and I kind of just was hooked from that then on. He was just a fascinating character to me, you know, seeing the artwork. You know, I had the cassette tapes, I had all the artwork and stuff, and him all in his crazy costumes and shit. And I was like, man, this guy's cool as fuck. I'm going to start start checking out more of his stuff. So that's kind of how I got into him. Nice, yeah. My first exposure was I saw the China Girl video on VH1 Classic. Honest, was, yeah. I didn't like that song at first. I, it's I, a weird song. It's actually still, to this day, not one of my favorite Bowie songs. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I prefer the Iggy Pop version on Yeah, yeah me too. But, uh, yeah, that was my first exposure, so I was like, uh, that's weird. But then when I was in high school, I was really into Marilyn Manson, and I read yeah. his book, and he talked so much about like how much Scary Monsters was an influence on him. And at that point, I kind of wanted to be Hanson. Not, maybe not like snor snorting, maybe not snorting like um, meth and piss like he did in the book, but, you know, I wanted to be influenced the way he was. So, yes. but, you know, North Dakota is not a good place to exactly get into Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> so when I came, when I met you and you were into Bowie, like, you kind of like slowly, like gradually introduced me. I remember one night you played me the whole Ziggy Stardust record. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, I remember listening to that and going, okay, this this is a lot lighter than I expected. <laughs> and then slowly you started turning me on to the weird stuff. It's like you eased me into it. Next thing you know, we're listening to Young Americans. Like, oh, this is funk music. This is interesting. <laughs> and, and, then we, and then we're into Low and Heroes. And I'm like, what? What's going on? Okay, cocaine's what's going on. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was an experience. I remember also... The next day came out, like, right after we met, and I remember you playing that record a lot. I still listen to that album. That, that's a killer record. That's a heavy record. That's the closest I think he's made to, like, a heavy rock. That's actually, honestly, probably my top five favorite Dave Bowie albums. I, I thought it was amazing. It's a great record. I'd say it's in my top ten. I don't know about top five, but maybe this yeah. I need to spend a little more time with that one, maybe. Yeah, it's a good album. Right. 
my my first one was do you remember going to Amoeba with me and I bought Ziggy Stardust and we went to Jack in the Box? I do remember that. And uh, do, do you want me to tell the story about what happened afterwards or should I just edit that out? <laughs> I don't even remember what happened. You don't remember. Well, <laughs> we, we went back to your apartment and let's just say some of your uh, friends, <laughs> we'll call them your friends, uh, you wanted to go meet them for a uh, late night snack, shall we say. Ah, and yes. I was promised tacos. I was promised you'd bring me back tacos. I had to stay at the, your apartment uh -huh. and watch that dog. Dude, I can remember that. I told you some dude jumped us and yeah, you, tacos. Yeah, some, some dude <laughs> jumped you and stole, and stole your jack-in-the-box tacos, and I remember being really bummed. And then years later, you told me, yeah, like, uh, I just forgot to get them. <laughs> no one stole your tacos. Yeah, yeah we were out on a wild chase trying to find our snack. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's hard. You'd think in Hollywood it'd be easier to find that type of snack, but really it's not. Yeah, especially when you're just some random dude walking around the streets. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get in so much trouble. <laughs> oh, I love it. But yeah, but after that, like, kind of like, it was a weird time for us, because I remember you got in trouble for having these snacks. And... Yes. Uh, I started to get more into Bowie, but I was on my own. I remember texting you at the time, going, what should I get next? And you gave me this short little list. It was Diamond Dogs, uh, Scary Monsters, and Lodger, for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I started next. But that, And then I kind of like went full-on in. And then kind of when we reconnected, like a couple years later, it was when, right around the time Blackstar came out. And right around the time he passed. And that was a very... Sad moment. Do you remember where you were when you heard that? Heard about that? Uh, yeah, I woke up. Uh, I was still. I was right. I was living with my parents again, like after, shortly after I moved back home. And it was. Uh, I think it wasn't sure. You know, it was like around the beginning of the year. I think in January. And uh, my mom woke me up out on my, on the couch. I was sleeping out on the couch. And she woke me up and told me that David Bowie died. I didn't believe her. And then I opened Facebook, and somebody had already tagged me. It was actually Johnny. Johnny oh, tagged Oh, Johnny Dombeck. Like, no, it's like, no, I can't believe it. And uh, so, yeah, that was when I found out. I was super bummed to listen to David Bowie all day. I remember that, too. I remember me finding out I remember being very eerie. I remember Blackstar came out. Um... Friday before, and you know me, I'm, I'm the weirdo that, that won't stream or download shit. I had to wait for the CD to get in. Yeah, yeah. So, when I got my CD, like, it came a day late. I got it, like, because I just met Mara at the time, so I missed the mailman. We came back to my place, I grabbed it, took it with me to her place, and I put it on in the morning while I was making breakfast for her. And I remember, it was funny, I remember the last song on the album, uh, I Can't Give Everything Away, came on. I'm going, huh, this feels like goodbye. Like if he yeah. does one more show, th this he needs to close with this because this is this is his goodbye. Yeah. And then I was laying in bed later that night, and the news broke. <laughs> it just no. felt so ironic and weird. And yeah, when I saw that video, the name in the hospital, oh Lazarus, and I knew that he knew that he was about to die. Like yeah. I knew that he knew that he didn't have long. Definitely not. He doesn't look like he has long in the video. Did you notice? No. You no. notice in the video? Did you notice what he was wearing when he crawled into that closet? But no, I forget. I he's wearing the outfit from station to station. That thing he's wearing on the back when he's like drawing. Oh yeah, yeah. The weird cabalistic stuff. Yeah. In the dirt or whatever. 
God, Station to Station is such a dark period. It really Like, he was living, uh, allegedly he was living on nothing but peppers and milk and cocaine. <laughs> Which, I don't even know if that's possible, if you could survive on that, but... I mean, I pretty much survived off, like, meth and heroin and Okay, so, okay so you're okay to talk about that stuff? I wasn't sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, meth, it was meth, heroin, and Lunchables for you. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of cocaine sprinkled in there, too. <laughs> I, I love that, like, our friendship is, like, the opposite. Like, I do no drugs and drink nothing, and at the time, you were just... I mean, you're sober now, thank God. I'm proud of you for that. But yeah, at the time, you. you were so... You were snow blind. <laughs> you were just snow blind. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Uh, thankfully, you didn't keep your semen in the fridge, because witches will time to steal it or something. Yeah, no, I didn't quite get to that point, but things definitely got pretty bad. <laughs> So, uh, top five, we're going to do our top five David Bowie deep cuts, and I wanted to do this just because, like I said earlier, the catalog is so big, and he has a lot of classics. So my yeah. only rule for this was no U.S. singles, like, U.K. singles are fine, but no U.S. singles. So, why don't you talk about your first one? What's All your right, first I think one of mine might have been a B-side to a single. That, that's that okay, B-side is fine, B-side okay. is fine. Alright, so I was definitely the first one on my list was uh it was the first david bowie song i ever heard i don't think it was a single five years five years I, off of ziggy stardust wow yeah yeah that was the first song i ever heard by him that was kind of like what got me like that's that melody and like even years later that melody it's like the my chemical romance song the way they start off the black parade like really, oh like, yeah that bowie song and, like i just hear that melody referenced in a lot of modern music and, like i just feel like he definitely, uh, you know, made his mark with that song. Definitely started that album off with a bang. I never thought of that before. That's very true. I hear that in my head now. God. Yeah. Yeah. It all, it's almost, I could I could argue a little bit that you hear that a bit in the flesh and the wall. Like yeah, the wall that's, too. that's the other song that kind of like nods to that one. Yep. Yeah. I, I remember hearing that the first time too. Because it, it, it's had this, I was expecting Ziggy Stardust to kind of like, open really heavy and all of a sudden but you just get this like boom, 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 pushing through the market square and, and you get you just get the feeling you're in for something bigger than yourself yeah and you know the journey has started that's a good choice that's a good place to start yeah all right um i'm gonna start a little weird um this one uh <laughs> this is a left turn african night flight off of lodger the second track on Lodger. That song has such a weird, like, time signature, and it's so experimental and out there. And, like, I, I love the whole Lodger record, like, because that one... It's funny, a lot of people don't like that record, and I didn't know that at the time, and, like, you just told me, like, go get Lodger. And I did. And that song really stuck out to me. Because of the time signature, because of the lyrics, and the way he sings, because it's almost like he's, like... Switching between like personalities because like I've been fucking one of these days, one of these days, and just going all over the place. I love, I love that song. What do you it's think of that one? Definitely a good tune. Like a weird one. I have a question for you. Why did you tell me to get Lodger? Like I, I know now that's not a lot of people's favorite record. Dog, is that one of your favorites? Uh, no, I just knew it was one of his most like different and experimental ones. So I figured if you know if you could click with that out. Probably definitely like this other one. I, I definitely did. I, I felt I played the shit out of that record. I, 
I remember that record, to me, it holds good memories and bad memories. And, uh, like, you know, just kind of being independent in Hollywood for the first time. But it also reminds me that I was filling out a lot of job applications at the time. I was taking a lot of bus rides. I was listening to that record call everywhere. But that was the song I would always come back to. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely And he was ballsy enough to play that one live on the reality tour. I can't, I'd love to find a bootleg of that, because that's got to be... Oh, yeah. How much rehearsal did that take? <laughs> What's your number four? My number four? Hold on, let me see. <laughs> Quick. Uh, there you go. Number four. Oh, it's actually another one. Off of, uh, hey, cat. <laughs> Stop it. Cat sparks again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My, mine's locked out. Mine's locked <laughs> out. Because he'll play with the mic cord. Yeah, yeah, they like to do that, but... Okay, so my number four is actually another one on Seeking Stardust, and it's kind of a weird one. Uh, Soul Love. Oh. Yeah, I feel like nobody really ever talks about that song. Like, it's on this... I don't know. That, that's a good That's a good choice. I remember... That was kind of like his first, uh, like, really venture into, like, that soul sound, I feel like, on Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, he foreshadowed Young Americans a little bit with that Yeah, song. yeah, exactly. And that was actually, I think, one of the things that drew me to the Young Americans album was because it reminded me of that song. Like, the whole album kind of has the feel in that song. So that was kind of like, you know, I think before that he got real big for that sound, but he kind of, like, foreshadowed it right there. Yeah, I, I agree. I, that great choice, by the way. Yeah, I remember hearing that one too, like on that first listen to Ziggy Stardust, and just being blown away by that one. And I, and I think I asked you at the time if that was a single, and you told me it wasn't. But yeah, that song is just something magical about that song and that record. Yes. Like, and you're right. He, I think all there's always a little David Bowie's always foreshadowing just a little bit what he's gonna do next. Yep. Like, exactly. I see, like, like, Station to Station foreshadows the Berlin trilogy, and honestly, you could argue that Ashes to Ashes kind of foreshadows what pop in the 80s with that funk sound. Yeah, yeah. Good choice. Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a little newer for the next one. Bring Me the Disco King, off reality. Yeah. That's a, it's a, a bit of a weird one, it's kind of this weird, jazzy, spacey okay. song. It's at the end of the reality album. Yeah, and it's got a I really jazzy influence he has. In some yeah, of I feel like that's almost like where he goes back to. Some, like you could argue, like for Black Star, he really went back to that sound, like with the saxophone. And I wonder if that was because it was his first instrument that he went to that sound. I think so. Yeah, and also I know that's what he loved about drum and bass because I know he was a big drum and bass fan, and that was one of the things he liked about it was all the like the jazzy influence in the drums and like the saxophone samples. The improv, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he said it's like kind of like the closest thing we had to like freeform jazz, like some of that more experimental drum and bass. Yeah, I agree. But I picked that song uh, because I, the first time I heard it, it was the winter of 2015. I got that CD for Christmas, and I was in North Dakota, and I just met my girlfriend, Mara, and we were texting a lot of the time, and I was, I was sitting watching the snowfall, listening to this beautiful song, and it just all seemed so perfect, and it just kind of takes me back to the early days of our relationship, as weird and strange and dark as that song is, it really does, it's like a time capsule for me. I love his vocal, I love the like, improv, like, piano, like, bits that are, like, kind of come out of nowhere, 
And also, I don't know if you know this, that song was demoed for Black Tie, White Noise. It was originally going to be like this really fast-paced, electronic type of song. But That's cool. It, it never uh, it got left off that record for whatever reason. And he decided to, when, the, when they made reality, strip it back, slow it down, make it, you know, a, j- a jazz it. And he played that live throughout the whole reality show. That's pretty awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's on, it's on like, if you if you watch that reality concert, like, it's rented on Amazon, buy the DVD, do whatever you have to to see, see it. It's really cool to watch him play it. Because he, he really, you can tell he's feeling it. You can tell, like, he's just... There's an otherworldliness to when he sings that song live. I love it. Oh, yeah. What's your number three? Number three. I'm going to come back here on my list. Alright, my number three was actually one of his newer ones. Uh, Feel So Lonely You Could Die. Oh. Yeah, that's my favorite. I believe that was off the... That's how he closed the next day. Yep. Um, yeah, that was just such like a... You know, it's at least towards the end of the album. I don't remember if it was the last song or not, but I know it's one of the last songs. Yeah. That one kind of like... I was feeling kind of lonely at the time when I heard it, and it just kind of like... You know, it hit a good chord with me. Yeah, I, I remember that one too. That was that was on the next day. That's that is a great vocal on that record. Yeah, it's definitely got to be one of my favorite of his more modern vocal. You know, of his newer in the last ten year vocal performances. Yeah, yeah. he really he his voice. I wouldn't say it changed for the worse, but he. I, I've heard he smoked these cigarettes that were so strong. Like after like like a month of smoking, them, his voice gradually got lower. Yeah, they yeah, were, his like, voice hard. definitely got as he got lower. But yeah, it's, yeah there's some of it had to do with smoking, but he still sounded great. He really did. He really sounded great. And that song, yeah, I, I remember. That makes me think of Hollywood. That song does. That makes me think of hanging out at your place while you were like smoking weed and we're eating like flaming hot Cheetos and yeah. talking about Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, the early 2010s. <laughs> uh, I can smell the weed smoke already. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm blowing some real way right uh, now. They got, got weed in the jewel tonight. Yeah, I went to the dispensary yesterday. <laughs> this new little vape pot system. That's amazing. Alright, yeah. my, my number three, uh, I'm going to go back to the 70s finally, a little further. I'm going to go back to Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs is my favorite thing to go up. I love that. Song, and Rock and Roll With Me is my pick. Oh yeah. That's, that's one of my... I think that's one of his best ballads, and I love the guitar solo on that song. Um, I feel like that was a song that could have been, it could have been on Ziggy or it could have been on Aladdin Sane, but it ended up on Diamond Dogs. Yeah, and it's just like the vocal is beautiful, and it feels like a slow dance almost. Like there's something like romantic about that song. I mean, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's got some kind of darker meaning because that whole record is just you know. There's a song about, like, doing blow and killing yourself with a prostitute on that record or some <laughs> some shit like that. But, yeah, that, that song is beautiful to me. And I, I gravitated to that one really quickly. That was a record, I remember getting that and just playing it over and over again. Over and over again. Wow. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that song? That's definitely one of my favorite albums. I have always done that song. Um... 
definitely. I, it's not, I wouldn't put it as like one of my top five Bowie favorite ballads, but it's definitely one that I like a lot. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. Also, also, like, the chant of the ever circling skeleton family on that record. <laughs> the first time I heard that, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> He's got the weird stuff going on on that. Cocaine. Cocaine. <laughs> yeah. So much cocaine. The cover, that, the cover was kind of one of the things that drew me to that album. Oh yeah, his head on the dog's body. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually controversial because the original cover, he had a dog's penis and for yeah. some reason... Yeah. Now I've seen it. I've that seen was it. controversial. <laughs> it's weird. Funny now, looking yeah. back. Yeah, I'm like, really well, it's, it's, it doesn't surprise me of the shit we get offended by these days. <laughs> Yeah, now now it can now it'll be oh that's offensive to dogs. Yes. <laughs> you did your number three, right? Your number three was uh, you get so long. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so do your number two. Number two. Alright, let me this back up here. Alright, yeah, so this is off uh, Aladdin Scene. Ooh. Um I'm pretty sure if yeah, what I think it was Aladdin Scene Time. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's like probably one of my absolute all-time favorite Bowie songs right there. That's an epic, epic song. Yeah, yeah. It's just so epic. It's got a great melody. It kind of, you know, it goes from like kind of slow and like you know, speeds up and gets kind of real intense. And it's got that kind of like crazy carnival feel or something. Yeah, I feel like it's that jazz that got played. That Aladdin Sane record, that song, Time, and the title track... Like they're these really almost like schizophrenic pieces. Like you feel yeah. like you're, like it feels like the the record could topple at any time, but exactly. then it just it just stays in, in place. That's a good thing. Yeah, he definitely had a good set of musicians with him for that album. Yeah, Mick Ronson. Was Mick Ronson still on that record? Um, I I think so. Yeah, yeah think that's the same band that was on. Yeah, that's yeah, so yeah. Mick Ronson still around. Yeah, yeah wow. A funny joke about the song Aladdin Sane. My girlfriend calls that the Duke Duke song because the the piano solo. The... I'll never forget the first time I played I played her that we were in like I bought the 2017 remaster of Aladdin Sane. We were in the car. We moved to San Diego. It's late at night, and I decided it's a great idea to play Aladdin Sane. <laughs> what was I wrong? And everything was fine until we got to that song, and she just kind of, like, we're, we're driving in new places, she doesn't know where we're on, she just kind of slowly turns to me and she goes, make it stop or I'm going to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> it does have that sound about it. Yeah, it's very frantic. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, I'm going to pick, this is probably my most, uh, like, in terms of lyrics, obscure song. It's also one of the more, I didn't hear this one until recently. It, believe it or not, it took me a long time to buy Hunky Dory. For some reason, and I don't know why. I think it was because, like, I bought uh, The Man Who Sold the World, and that record was just a little too weird for me. Yeah. So for a while, I didn't want to go past Ziggy Stardust, but I finally picked that up, uh, Hunky Dory, and I was really shocked by how much of that record I love. And the song I picked is The Booley Brothers, the last song. Yeah. The uh, that's uh, it's a bit of a fan favorite. Um, no one's really sure what the lyrics mean. Even Bowie himself said kind of like, it's just a song he wrote that people can read into it what they want. Yeah. Like, some people think it's like about these, like, homosexual gods that came down from the heaven and the gay agenda. Some people think it's about his schizophrenic brother. 
I think he just probably wrote it as like a stream of consciousness song, but the melody on that song, it just feels so, it's, it's pure. The, the melody, the piano, the guitar. Yeah. Like the combination and, that, and the way it closes the record. Like you, like you're not really sure how you feel at the end of the song, but you want to hear it again. It's this weird, yeah. strange, like feeling. Like it's in your head. Like I remember hearing that for the first time, just being like, "What?" But like I kept coming back to that song. Like I would sometimes skip track ten just to get to that song again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely that's definitely a good. Good. It was a good. That was the closer, right? Yeah, that was the closer. That's yeah. right after. Uh, good way to close an album. I think, yeah, like the my, the the best album closer was Rock and Roll Suicide, but oh, yeah, but no, yeah. Brothers is a close second. That's, yeah, and some and a weird fact about the Bully Brothers, uh, he would him that was the name he would use for uh, his production team when he produced uh, Iggy Pop's uh, Lust for Life that's, album. That's pretty cool. Yeah, if you look at the booklet, it says uh, produced by the Bully Brothers, and that's him and Iggy. Nice. Yeah, I always thought that was cool. Before we do number one, do you have any honorable mentions? Because I took down a few honorable mentions that just I couldn't get on the list, and it was hard making this goddamn list, man. I did, but I deleted them. So uh, just five, and I don't remember what they were. Uh, it, well, I'll, I'll read a few of mine if you can think of any afterwards. Uh, just to say yeah. So a few of mine: uh, Buddha Suburbia. It's a fun little electronica number. Win off Young Americans. Another great David Bowie vocal. Kooks off of Hunky Dory, Song First Kid. Uh, Where Have All the Good Times Gone Off? Pinups. That I, I know that's a cover, but I've always thought that was a really cool cover of Pink's song. Slip Away from Heathen, uh, Reality, I Took a Trip in a Gemini Spaceship, and off of Black Star, I picked Girl Loves Me. Nice. nice. Yeah, there's some good tunes, too. Oh, yeah. All right. So since you are the guest, what is your uh, number one? Uh, Andy Warhol. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Definitely. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite Bowie songs. Oh, that song is trip. Yes, it is. Like, especially I the beginning like it doesn't of it. get enough love. Like, the, you know, Nirvana covered it, and, like, they got a lot of The actual Bowie version, I feel like, doesn't get enough love. Nirvana covered that one? I thought they did uh, Man Who Sold the World. Oh, wait, yeah, that is what they did. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know they did Man Who Sold the World on a... Uh, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, you're right. They didn't cover that one. Yeah. What I was thinking, I'm probably just tied. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever changes. Definitely, definitely a strange song, but I love it. I love that guitar riff in it. But yeah, it's just it's just him and acoustic guitar and maybe oh. Mick Ronson on acoustic, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've always been wondered, like, I wanted, if I could talk to Tony Visconti, the producer, I'd ask him, you know those, like, beeps at the beginning of the song? Like, what the fuck is going on there? Like, that... Like, that just goes on for a while, and then it just stops, and there's talking, and then the song starts for some reason. Yeah. But yeah, good. that's a good choice. Uh, I love the story of I read online of David actually performed that song for Andy Warhol, and Andy Warhol was so shy that um, like he just he did, he didn't even like like say thanks to Bowie at first. Like he stayed yeah, for him. Bowie, I read that Bowie said that he was never sure if he liked it or not. Yeah, 
<laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, I, I will admit, probably at the time, Bowie in those like platform shoes and the red hair was probably quite intimidating. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, there's this there's this transvestite from London that wrote a song about me. What the fuck? I, I mean, I'm Andy Warhol. But even this is weird. I'm Andy fucking Warhol. Yeah, good choice. I. Uh, and, I heard the studio version of that song for the first time this thing I got Hunky Dory. For a long time, I only knew the uh, Live in Santa Monica version. Yeah, yeah. Is a really, that's a really cool live record if no one listening to this has, if anyone that. listening to this hasn't heard that, go listen to that record. It's fantastic. Like, I would recommend it also. Yes. All right. I just they just released something like within the past like year I haven't heard it yet. It was like another Bowie live album. They released two, actually. <laughs> Okay. They did, uh, in, uh, earlier in the year, they did Welcome to the Blackout from the, uh, Isolar 2 tour, which is, like, you know, the Low Heroes tour. Yeah. And then, uh, actually on my birthday a couple weeks ago, they put out, uh, Live at Glastonbury 2000. Yeah, that's the one I just saw, yeah, on Spotify. It, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good set list of yeah, songs. Give that a listen. Yeah, definitely. Alright, my number one, uh, the song that means, means a lot to me. Uh, it got me through a really difficult uh, friendship ending at, at the time. It's uh, Strangers Women Meet off uh, Buddha Suburbia. That's a song that, you know, it kind of talks about, like, the stages of, like, you know, whether it's a relationship or a friend. Like, you go from being confused that it's, like, your strangers to, like, being angry that you're strangers to being, like, totally, like, accepting it. And there's, yeah. like, a peace at the end of the song. Like, a warmth, warmth like, you know, life is going to be good. It's going to be okay. Yeah, and he and he himself was really proud of that song. Like he, so much so he recorded it twice. First for Boot of Suburbia, and then for that Outside album. But I feel like yeah. both times it never really got to yeah. Never really got to But he he played that song live for a very long time, right up until the end, almost. He was playing that song. So yeah, I've seen it on quite a few of the set lists. Yeah. What, what, a, what an amazing song. Do you have a preference of which version? Like, I like the Buddha Suburbia version a lot, but, like, the station, not station, station. The outside one is pretty cool, too. What do you think? Yeah, I think I like the Buddha Suburbia one. What, what a strange record that is, by the way. Just yeah. recorded in two weeks for a TV show, and it's got all these, like, experimental and spoken word pieces. And <laughs> yeah, I think that was, I think that was around the time he was getting like from bass and stuff like that. That was. That was really he was starting to like push electronics into his music. Yeah. Some people didn't like. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was cool. Especially like, you know, songs like Hello Space Boy, The Heart's Filthy Lesson, I'm Afraid of Americans. Yeah. It got really cool. And I feel like he went full drum and bass on that Earthling album. Like that album. Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite quite a road, and I feel like we're gonna get more like Bowie material eventually. That has been released. not just these concerts. Like, yeah. out. I, I wonder if there's more there. Like, do you yeah. think like he like might have cranked out a little more before he passed? Do you think like that Black Star and No Plan? Do you think that's it? Do you think that's the end? I don't know. I mean, we'll probably get some demos and stuff like that, but yeah. beyond that, I don't know what else we get to hear. You, you, Other unreleased demos and that yeah. sort of thing. Like, like, there's no hidden album in the can, like, like they're just waiting yeah. for the right moment. <laughs> that would be awesome. That it would, would, it would be. I'd really, I'd really like that. But, 
Yeah. I've kind of kept up with the reissues. I have most of the albums. So, like, I was only... The only reissues I really bought were the ones I didn't have. I bought the Americans. Uh, Aladdin Sane. Yeah. A few others. Well, I bought that David Live album. That was an interesting listen. <laughs> I liked that one. That was one of my first, like, like CDs that I bought. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, it, it, it's so... It's so strange that... Because, like, it's, he's kind of getting into the soul thing, and he's starting to, like, put it into the songs he's doing. Yeah. Like, it was interesting. Yeah, it was yeah. very different. That was. And then he's got the... Like, I always love the version of Space already on there, because he's, like, singing it through this weird, like, microphone or something. In control, to make your tone. Like, it's muffled. Yeah. It's, it was so cool, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you listened to any of the live records that have come out since he passed? Like, have you listened to, like, uh, no. Cracked Actor or Live at uh, Nasu? No, I, I need to check those out. They're, they're worth a listen, especially the Live at Na Nasu 76 one on the Station to Station tour. Yeah, it's I think great. I really that. that. That's a really good one. The one from the Diamond Dogs tour, it is good, but... Uh, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> his his voice is a little shaky on that one, in my opinion. It's good for like, like if you want to like get into like where he was at the time. Yeah. But it, I feel like the vocals on that one like, are not his top not, tier, not his best point. <laughs> but my, my my favorite one was still Live at Nasu and also that uh, Welcome to the Blackout one. I thought that was great. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give those a listen later this weekend. Definitely. Definitely. Hey, it's Bowie-mas. Tis the season. Yeah. Especially because, like, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not big on Christmas music, so I always, like, kind of, like, I always try to, like, find a band, like, like it's, like, that band is my theme that year. Last year was Prince. I think this year it's kind of Fleetwood Mac. And right. I remember one year I did do David Bowie. I did Bowie-mas. And nice. I just binged all his records, like, throughout the month of December. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah, we've been having to listen to Christmas music at the coffee shop, but uh, I found this uh, drum found a drum and bass. Well, it's not really Christmas music, <laughs> but it was drum and bass made for the uh, holiday party. <laughs> Some of the song titles are like, you know, about snow and stuff. So, really, yeah, so I, my mom lets me play down at the shop. She doesn't care. She's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. It's a Christmas playlist. I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, no Bing Crosby for you. Right? Yeah, no. Oh man. Alright. Well, like, this, we're gonna sign, sign off, but Drew, hang around. We'll talk some more. Okay, uh, so thanks for listening to the Slide Dog, Dog Rockcast, guys. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Drew, thanks for coming on. Uh, expect more music discussion in the future. Drew will definitely be back. We've got a lot more to talk about, like, a lot more records, a lot more bands. And yeah, expect some interviews. This is only the, the beginning, guys. Drew, got anything to say? Oh yeah, thanks for having me out. It was good All talk. Right. Mary Bowie, Miss People, leave some uh, peppers and milk for Santa. Bowie, in this case. <laughs> It's got you.